Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota Trucks. Visit Toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I am your host, Adam Adez, and I'm joined today by Harrison Wind. And we're presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I'm going to get you with it every time, This I is think. a great running bit uh, we have that I wish was a bit, but I'm just an idiot. Um, yes, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Fantastic company. Check them out. Um, today, we are recording this episode maybe an hour after the final buzzer sounded on the Nuggets 105-96 loss to the Los Angeles Lakers. A game that I think a lot of people saw were a much anticipated game, I would say. I mm-hmm. think for me, I was I was not anticipating or not excited for this game as much as I think the average fan. How about was you? That, was, be, was that because of the Laker fans in attendance or just the it, early season-ness of this game? Uh, I, well, neither. I, it, <laughs> you, but, the, but now that you bring up the Lakers-ness, the Lakers fanness of it, it is by far my least favorite game of the year. Even when you, you know, on the occasions that the Nuggets actually win this game and you get to take the L out, it's still not as fun as... It still doesn't make up for the fact that there's just so many obnoxious people. A fight, though. We got a, a ringside fight right but right by uh, our, our table. Right tonight. by us on press row. Yeah, right it was great. Um, a couple. A couple versus a couple. <laughs> Girl fight and guy two fight. Two on two. Two on two. <laughs> Tag team style. Um, so we're going to go over this game, uh, analyze it from a lot of angles. And then, of course, there was some interesting – I thought this was the most interesting post-game locker room of the season. Yeah, because – I didn't. It, it was it like things came to a, a bubbling head here. Like, yeah. did things bubble over? Do you think? Because no, no. What I'm what I'm trying to say is like when I first got into the locker room tonight, I felt like there wasn't this depressed vibe by any means, and like the narrative that was kind of coming out of this game was, oh, we missed shots. The Lakers are a really good team. You know, we played them tough and then lost, and then. You know, as Jokic spoke, as Barton spoke, I feel like we got some light shed on just kind of a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. 
Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, I'm with you. And I think we should spend a whole segment on the sort of locker room post-game things that were said both by the coach, the players, because there was a lot. Um, but I, I will say I think a lot of people are going to react pretty um, extreme to some of the quotes as they come out. And I would say while there's a lot to talk about and a lot to dissect there, I don't necessarily think that it felt like you know, a fire was in the locker room or anything like that. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. And I mean, pretty much because of the reasons I was just saying, I feel like the Nuggets felt they would have won this game if they would have just knocked down a couple open threes. It's not like the Lakers came in here and beat them by 20. I think some of the frustration is coming from the fact that it's kind of like the same old story for these last couple of games. Yeah, so let's get into the game here. Um, The very first quarter... 28 to 24, but I thought that LeBron in particular, he had 11 points in the first quarter, kind of early in the first. I felt like one of the things you worry about in a Lakers versus Nuggets matchup, especially if you get to the postseason, is not only do nobody in the league is nobody in the league able to guard LeBron, but Denver specifically just doesn't seem to. And tonight, LeBron, I thought, walked into 11 points so easily, and it was almost like he was like, okay. I know what I can do against this team now. Yeah, so LeBron went 9 of 18 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3. So he was 8 of 14 from two-point range. This seemed like an easy game for LeBron. This was a very easy game for Um, LeBron. It seemed like he knew exactly what he wanted to do. It seemed like he knew what the Nuggets were going to do on defense. One or two steps ahead, one or two passes ahead, and just kind of did what he needed to do to generate a ton of open alley-oops. I mean, the Lakers were throwing alley-oops tonight like they were the Houston Rockets on the Nuggets, Yeah, like James Harden and Clint Capella usually do. They generated a bunch of open threes. It seemed like LeBron, like you said, had Denver figured out after a couple minutes. Yeah, and honestly, it's not even – so some of it was had him figured out, but part of it is just, you know, it's not figured out as in like, oh, I know your schemes, I know this. It's that they just don't have guys that can guard yeah. their easiest, most basic the plays. The Lakers, and-, and this was definitely apparent in the first half because the Nuggets' defense was much better in the second. And I mean, they held the yeah. Lakers to, what, 20 points in the fourth? Yeah. But for, I'd say, most of three quarters, the stuff isn't really quantifiable, but the Lakers seemed faster, they seemed stronger. Yeah. They seemed to just be playing with an edge that Denver wasn't. Denver, so let's talk about that edge because that's part of the storyline for Denver is they just, in addition to being a team that defense has certainly been their identity in that, you know, I really believe, even tonight I thought they did some good things defensively. I mean, as much as they don't match up with the Lakers and they don't match up with LeBron and Anthony Davis, they still flew around and, yeah. and, and other than the rebounds did, did a lot, but... I just don't feel like the Nuggets team has an identity. They certainly don't seem to have a joy. And just so much of – the game does not seem – it seems like a grind. It almost seems like a chore. It seems like the Nuggets show up to a game and, like, the tip, it's like, okay, this is a job we have. Yeah. I mean, they are just grinding out possessions on the offensive end right now. And that's what I mean when I was saying a couple minutes ago that it seems like it's kind of the same old story. Um, the offense, like it's been all year, is vanilla. It's boring. It's predictable. You know what they're going to do. You know what Jamal Murray is going to do, like, you know, almost whenever he gets into his kind of motion set. So I felt like it was more of the same on the offensive end tonight. Yeah, it did seem predictable. And, and Lakers are a good defensive team. They have a lot of length. You mentioned that length. They're a really tall team, yeah. and it's been talked about, but seeing them in person, you really just get the sense of, like, my goodness, Anthony Davis, seven feet tall, uh, JaVale McGee, seven feet tall. And they come back with LeBron. Dwight Howard, who 
had, had a couple stupid offensive fouls tonight, but was fairly effective in his minutes. Yeah, so they're just so big. And so in Denver, I think one of the advantages Denver has, I thought in that first quarter – LeBron looked really gassed. I mean, yep. he came out and had that great, the great start. Well, they but, called a timeout because he was gassed. Because, because the Lakers he, took the first time out of this game. Yeah, and there was a couple, actually, a couple moments where you could just tell he was like, hey, man, we need a break here. And you think that is part of Denver's advantage is that altitude, and they just don't run. I mean, there's yeah. just no – so if you're going against a team that's more athletic, that's bigger and stronger, you got to – wear them down you gotta like you know you're, mm-hmm. you're the rudy in this fight and this didn't seem like denver had any interest in doing that walk the ball up the court walk into their sets a lot of looking around at guys while you're trying to like figure out which way to go and i just thought they let the lakers off the hook in that one regard and this was like a single digit game for most of the first half yeah and so like the lakers didn't get their lead up to you know 15 plus or or, or like 20 the big lead was 13 yeah and I was thinking to myself, man, I can't believe the Nuggets have hung with the Lakers like they have because, like you are saying, it's such a chore to score right now. It's such a grind. It's so tough to get easy baskets. And I think part of that is that Denver obviously did not make any threes tonight. And, right. you know, they were 6-29 from three. The Lakers weren't great either from three, just 7-24. Right. <laughs> uh, but another part of that is just – they don't have any rhythm on the offensive end as they've had all season, and they just seem a little unsure of what they want to do there. And it's crazy because it's just a total 180 from last season. So fast break points, Denver had just six. They gave up 22, and a lot of those came off of just turnovers. Denver yeah. had a couple ugly turnovers, especially early on. But fast break points, six, I mean, you talk about that, that's such a, a huge disadvantage. Second chance points, 18-9, to nine, and points in the paint, 52-44, all favoring the Lakers. How about that rebounding edge in this game? It was I think Denver got rebounded by 21. Is that the right number? Yeah, and I think a lot of that had to do with just the sheer amount of shots Denver missed. Was Paul Millsap's point, which I think yeah. was a great one. It was yeah. correct. In, in when part. you miss a lot of shots, you get out-rebounded because defensive rebounds are easier than offensive. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, do you agree with me? And I know we don't like to go to this excuse a lot, but it felt like the Lakers just wanted it a little bit more. Um, no, I don't think that. I actually don't. Um, De- Denver doesn't have the joy and that urgency and those things. And I think so they're, in that regard, you know, I, I see what your point is. But I don't think it's about Denver not wanting it. They're in a funk. They're in a rut. Yeah. And sometimes when you're in a rut, it's not about like, well, do you want to be in a rut or do you not want the game? You don't have the, it's just the, I don't I feel like Denver is at a place right now and Jokic in particular, it especially is in a place right now where he just doesn't seem to know what he needs to do to change. And, and that's, I think, part of what's so concerning about it is I think there was – and maybe this was the game that made a lot of the fan bases, my mentions or any indication on social media, uh, maybe this is the, the turning point where Nuggets fans have been saying for so long, oh, don't worry, you know, Jokic always starts slow in November. Oh, this is just the Nuggets. They're 13-3. and three. Don't worry about if they don't look pretty. They'll turn it on when they need. And I've always pushed back on that. I think people well, are now they're to turn. thirteen and five with a tough four game road trip coming up. Very tough for the East Coast: trip. Boston, the Knicks, which should be their one guaranteed win, the Nets, the Seventy Sixers, and then come back and play a rejuvenated Trailblazers team after that. So, yeah, um, the bench again. Once again, had some moments, I guess, early on that weren't completely miserable. But in the second half and down the stretch, it just. It, the bench seems to still be 
you know, no Tory Craig tonight. Obviously, no Michael Porter Jr., which it's funny. That was a storyline two, three weeks ago. It's almost, I don't know if Michael Porter Jr. is going to play again. <laughs> I don't know when he would. Yeah, so Michael Malone's continuing to roll with pretty much either an all-bench lineup or four bench guys and Will Barton and, out yeah, there for Wancho. Yeah. Um, he had a night tonight, 2 of 11. Yeah. I, I thought that could be a lineup that could work. Doesn't seem like it's working. This has been like three or four games that the Nuggets have tried this. So I wouldn't be surprised if Malone starts experimenting more uh, with the bench unit going forward. Let me ask you this one, and I'm just going to try to play devil's advocate on this. I'm not saying this is what I believe, but, you know, Jokic is in a funk and he's in a row. He just played terrible. Will Barton goes two for 11, and the Nuggets still were in this game. I mean, this was like a two-point, three-point, four-point game with two minutes to go. I mean, this was a close game. And, in fact, Denver made a run to close out the game before the final minute or so, two minutes. So um, is there – is this possible just the outcome bias where it's like they lost, therefore we're only pointing out those things? There's something to that for sure. And um, the Nuggets play at such a slow pace that it's tough for teams to blow them out right now. Yeah, that's true. Um, But the defense was good in the second half, and uh, Denver was able to claw back into this game. But the last few games they've won have kind of been this recipe. Play above average defense and you know just barely get enough shots to fall to get a win and if they were going to come out with the win tonight like that was going to be the same formula they would use so denver tonight had a 104 defensive rating and this is in this game to give you a sense if a 104 defensive rating would be the 10th best defense in the nba and you're going against against a lakers team that is one of the better offenses in the nba certainly when they're dialed in so defensively i thought denver actually did a decent job and they have been good it's just that offense, 96 offensive rating. It's just too many of these games where they're below 100 uh, and just can't, can't up a point. So. I mean, I am – I really have no more words to say about the offense because I feel like we've said the same thing on the last couple podcasts for the, for the last couple of weeks. Um, it, it's, it's true. It, it's bewildering to me that a, a team with Nikola Jokic at the set, as the centerpiece of their offense is struggling – like they are on that end of the floor. A year ago, two years ago, that would have been unimaginable to say that Jokic surrounded by this type of talent right. is struggling like this. That's the part that I think is so frustrating. Um, let's go to break, but when we come back on the other side, some interesting quotes in this one, and I think kind of talking about just where the team is and sort of finally admitting, I feel like the last four or five games they've turned their focus to the offense and have started to show some concern for their offensive struggle. Let's talk about that and the fallout in the locker room after the game. All right, today we're talking to you guys about the Avalanche beer from Breck Brewing, one of the originals from Breck for sure. You guys have undoubtedly had it. Uh, the Nuggets definitely could use a couple Avalanche Ambers after tonight's game. But great beer for any occasion. Uh, make sure to check it out from Breck Brewing. And make sure to check out all their beers. You know, Strawberry Sky, Carl Decor, but uh, the Avalanche, one of uh, my all-time favorites for sure. And also this from Symbiotax. There's a new alternative for addressing your tax needs. Symbiotax administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from licensed professionals. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own. And George over at Symbiotax is a proud DNVR subscriber and a diehard Avs fan. Whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or if you just need to get your tax return filed, go to a qualified professional to understand your tax requirements. Don't end up at one of those retail tax change. 
call Symbio Tax today for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 or visit them at symbiotax.com. That's symbiotax.com. I'm stripping in front of Harrison. <laughs> Adam has popped the shirt. <laughs> Are we done with the read? Are we ready? We're done with the read. Okay. Um, so, do you have the clip lined up, Harrison? I can get it lined up here. Actually, I, I'm not going to be able to play it on my phone. That's fine. We'll um, insert it later. Let's insert it here. So, take a look at the clip of Jokic here after the game talking about sort of his offensive struggles and where he's at. But you are getting the shots that you want? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, sometimes yeah, I'm getting the ball, the ball in the post. Right now I'm struggling, so I mean the coach is—he's a smart guy. He's not going to give the guy the, bo- uh, the ball, the guy who is not making the shots. So, I mean, I'm cool. I'm, I'm, I'm good. When you say coach going away, you just mean not many plays for you? I didn't say that. Oh no, okay. Nicole, when you're struggling on offense, what's the process for yourself to get out of that funk? Uh, um, I don't know. I, I never. Uh, I don't know. I never struggle to be. I mean. I never thought I'm struggling, but uh, I mean, I'm struggling right now. I cannot make shots, so it's uh, it is what it is. I'm gonna try to. I mean, even when I'm uh, even when I'm not making shots, I think I can I can affect the game in some other ways. So, first thing to me, this didn't sound like a quote, and he was very quick to sort of say, "No, I'm not saying coach needs to call more plays for me." Maybe that was what he was trying to hint at. I don't know, but it wasn't the sense I got hearing it live. The bigger part to me about this quote, though, Harrison, is, you know, if LeBron James is in a slump, he doesn't say go to somebody else. Yep. I'm in a slump. If any Carl Anthony Towns, any play, player that is the clear best player doesn't say I'm just not playing well right now, I wouldn't call plays for me either. You just fight through it. And to me, it, I mean, first of all, I guess, is that sort of the read your take biggest takeaway from that that moment yeah i agree and also how i see this quote and um i i think this is in a way just how Jokic kind of sees the game i think he sees it from a perspective of if i'm not playing well if my shot's falling why would we go to me right we would go to other guys who are hot and i mean he's wrong in that sense like you, you need your best player to, to want the ball and to you know want the offense to go through him even when he is struggling and the Nuggets still need to do that. Uh, but I, I also feel it's a component of just like how he sees the game in that way. Yeah, it is a component of how he sees the game. And he's, he's right but, but wrong at the same yeah. time and mostly wrong. He's right in that, you know, basketball is about being smart and going to where the game, you know, making smart decisions. He has it going, let's go to him more often or whatever. But there's this other part that has... You have to have the will to overcome an impossible situation. I know that's a paradox, but it's the truth in sports. Like, Jokic is this incredibly talented player, and he's in a funk. He's in a mental funk right now. He has to find something in him. He has to learn himself. This is a test. You know, sports are really a test of yourself. You're always pushing yourself. They always talk about boxers. You're not fighting the other guy in the rink. You're fighting Mm -hmm. yourself. And it's such a – it's so true. And in basketball, it's true too. And I think with Jokic, yes, he isn't playing well. Maybe there's some things that are bothering him off the court. Maybe there's some of the things on the court are bothering him. But this is – 
in addition to being a test for all the other players and the coaching staff and everything else, it's also a test for him. And I just feel like not only is he failing the test, he's not really accepting the test at the mo- at this moment right now. Yeah, he's almost saying, all right, I'm struggling, so this is just how it's going to be. Yeah, somebody else pick it up now because yeah. I'm struggling. It's not my problem or, you know, I know I'm struggling, so don't go to me. You know, don't rely on me for anything because my shot's not falling. Go to somebody else and that's, yeah, it's obviously the wrong attitude for him to have as the, the star player on this team his night tonight it, it was unbelievable watching him play especially in that first half tonight what three shot attempts in the first half and one was in the last his like, 20 first seconds. field goal of the game came on denver's last possession the second uh second quarter yeah last possession of the first half he was one of three from the field he made maybe one aggressive move to the bucket in that first half, I think. And then the second half, I thought he was better. Missed a lot of easy shots around the rim. Anthony Davis's post defense I thought was really impressive on Jokic tonight. When Jokic actually tried to back him down a couple times in that second half, and Davis just really did not give up much ground. I, I thought he was more aggressive in that second half. Missed a lot of shots that he made last year. You know, a lot of just hook shots around yeah. the rim that he normally makes. Um, so I thought he was more aggressive in that second half, but. My God, that first half, man, I, I could not I, I could not believe what I was watching. So let's take a look. Will Barton, who's always the most insightful player on the team to talk to, let's take a look at what he had to say after the game because he, he commented on this as well. What needs to change to be able to get you guys back to that free-flowing system you guys had before? Uh, just getting out running more, um, body movement, everybody cutting and movement, uh, getting the big fella back, uh, being dominant in that paint and post. Um, those things. What needs to change for Nicola? What, what seems off from last year? Uh, I wouldn't say off. I think it's just um, every, every year is going to be something, you know, for a player, especially for him. He had a lot of success last year. And um, it's just a tough stretch for him right now. Stars go through that. He's just going through a stretch where um, we're not used to seeing from him. But I think uh, he'll figure it out and he'll get back to being – the uh, study is. Do you think that the offense will be or should be what it was before? Or is every year so different and you just kind of have to figure out what works for this year? Um, listen, man, we got to play through him. Uh, every year that's going to work best for us. We're a good team when he's not scoring, but we're a great team when he's being dominant down there and we have championship potential when, when he's cooking. And we know that. Uh, we can get away with it some games and be teams, but to be the team we want to be, we got to play through him. Is it fair to say that you haven't always been playing through him this year? Um, I think in moments, in spurts, we don't. But uh, I think for the most part, he, I mean, listen, this is his team. This is his offense. He has the ball in his hand majority of the game. He's making the plays. He's getting his touches. He, he just got to finish, and he will. Tonight, I think um, he just had a tough uh, a couple looks that just – didn't go down, and I feel like uh, with him missing right now, he's he's thinking a little bit. He don't need to think. He's that good. Just go out there and play your game, and um, he'll be fine. Knowing what he's capable of, do you ever get in his ear and just sort of, you know, lean on him a little bit? Yeah, I I go talk to him um, just to tell him to stay aggressive. Like I said, I mean, no one's out there stopping. Look at the shots he missed today. No he was missing buns. I've never seen him miss. I'm mm-hmm. talking about joking around. His touch is that good. Mm-hmm. Him BSing around and shoot around or in the workout, he makes those shots. Mm-hmm. So he, it, right now, I mean, no one's doing nothing to him. 
he's just missing it. I think he's thinking a little bit too much. Once he gets out of his own head, he'll be back to him. So, I, why? I, first off, Malone four games ago, after he'd been preaching defense all year and saying we we're winning, why do you guys keep caring about this? He finally admitted like the the offense is a real concern. Yeah, figuring out what's wrong with us is a real concern. And look, Malone, I don't think actually has answers. I don't, and this isn't a critique of him. I think this is a situation the Nuggets are in right now where they actually have to. And this is what makes sports so interesting. Actually, as much as it's frustrating for us. This is a team that is in a moment of self-discovery mm-hmm. right now. And they don't if, – if they knew what was wrong, it wouldn't be as big of a challenge. It's a huge challenge because they just clearly all seem to not know what's going on. And to Will Barton's point, this team is – this is the first time these people are starting to sort of, one, admit that Jokic is in a funk. And two, just teams seem to keep so much in-house. They don't let things go. This is finally saying we're not going to take off until Jokic over there figures it out. And he's not calling him out. He's just stating the obvious. He's stating the obvious. But I, I do wonder, like, like you just said, they don't know what's wrong. I got to think they do. I, I gotta, really? I got to think they realize that the offense just feels different. It, yeah. it looks different. Jamal Murray's usage is up this year. Nikola Jokic's usage is down this year. Yeah, okay. we're missing a lot of shots, but I have to believe that those guys out on the floor can recognize that something feels drastically different on the offensive end compared to last year. There I was, have to think so. There was a little bit in that in Barton's voice. I mean, he was talking about it a little yeah. bit about you know some of the shot distribution or whatever. So, I did you have something for no, that? No, go ahead. Uh, so I do think like the team is finally starting to admit, and to me. Again, this isn't – I still think it's December 3rd. I still think it's – you know, there's so much time for these things. This is what an NBA season does to every team. Um, there was a great Steve Kerr quote where he talked about the entire point – NBA. Winning an NBA championship is all about a team spending 82 games figuring out who they are and coming together as a group. Yep. And, like, that's the that's really what basketball is about. All the other stuff is just specific examples of the greater. And I feel like that's what this season is for the Nuggets. Previous seasons have been about individuals growing as players and, uh, you know, some of the fun stuff there. But now you have a very talented team that can be bad and be 13-5. and five. But how do they become a championship team? It's about this this journey that they're on and whether or not they can go through it and come out strong. And um, I just don't think we know the answer to that yet. They've never been in this situation before. They've been in obviously not a situation like this. But, I mean, if you think back to last year, Jokic had a stretch like this at the beginning of the season. It came about a month earlier. It came in uh, November as opposed to the end of November, beginning of December. And, yeah, he snapped out of it. And he was great throughout the rest of the season amazing in the playoffs but i don't know it just feels a little different this year than last year's did and i but again, think because i don't think they were contenders last year i mean they had a chance to become contenders mm-hmm. but last year they had a worse record and it felt better it was like more this year it, it, they have a better record but they feel this because again to be to win a championship you're chasing something different this year than you were last right. year right and that's why they're in this moment of trying to figure out who they are and, and figure out their problems I, I'm just fascinated to see, you know, how Jokic responds, how how the team responds, how they come out yeah. on this road trip. Uh, I mean, I tweeted this in the fourth quarter, but despite Jokic's first three quarters, like, would I have been totally shocked if he came out and had a strong fourth and right. they got the win? No. Would I be totally shocked if 
in uh, in against the Knicks in a couple nights, and then against Boston, he has a couple really great bounce back games. No, but you know, I don't know. It's just it, it is a process. The one thing I'll say though, you're I, I'm with you that I would not have been surprised had Jokic dominated this game in the fourth and won it like he had against mm-hmm. Philadelphia and Minnesota and Portland and so many times. I wouldn't have been surprised, but to me, that wouldn't have solved the problem. We know Jokic is good. Yeah, We know he can turn it on and have those dominant four or five-minute stretches. Even this season when he's been in a slump, he's had those. The real question is, and this is, I think, my biggest concern with Jokic. And I, on the Lockdown Nuggets podcast on Monday, I kind of really went in on Jokic because I think, quite frankly, I think he deserves it more than any point in his career. And I don't mean it. he deserves it as in like we all throw tomatoes at him. I think that with him, more than ever, it is very clear where he is at in his career. It is a pivotal point. Because he has to grow mentally. Him saying tonight that he, oh, go to somebody else when I don't have it, that's the wrong answer. I mean, there's no other way to put it. That's the wrong answer. And he has to grow emotionally, mentally, you know, uh, all, of, all of those ways um, that don't necessarily have anything to do with basketball. And this is a real, this is the first time where I think all of the eyeballs have sort of been on him and said, yeah, he's not the guy he needs to be right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well put. Right now, guys, Total Beverage is giving the DNVR fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying up to 75 bucks. Make sure to use code DNVR2019 to get that offer online or on the Total Beverage app. As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder, from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. That's right. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying up to $75. Better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered. So do you want to talk about, you know, the balance in emphasis of who is taking the shots, who has the ball in their hand? You know, it does feel a little bit like things have shifted over to Murray. And again, I don't want to take this conversation off of Jokic and make it sound like he's a victim of anything because, quite frankly, he's not. But do you feel like part of maybe the problem is, you know, the kid has grown up. Jamal Murray, the sidekick, has grown up. And Jokic being such a reluctant Batman anyway, you create this dynamic where your second most, your second best player has become your highest usage player and your better player is sort of acquiescing to him in ways that he shouldn't. Yeah, and I've been talking about this all year, but it seems like Jamal Murray's offense, not Nikola Jokic's offense. And it definitely was Nikola Jokic's offense last year. And it seems like it's gradually been moving more in Jamal's direction this season. And like you said, Jokic right now seems okay with that. And um, you know, he is a- allowing for that to happen a little bit. Do you get any sense, and maybe Will Barton's comments tonight hinted at it a little bit, but do you get any sense that there is some resentment or frustration from it? Not just a like, oh yeah, I'm cool with it, but maybe not cool with it, and, and there's something there, some tension. I think there could be. Um, do you personally, again, we're not reporting this, this is just observations that we are willing to be wrong about yeah but just you know sort of what you what you're seeing i i think there very well could be and i've got to believe that like Jokic can can look at what the nuggets are doing and be like okay what changed from last year to this year we were a better offense last year than we are this year things came easier last year 
and he's got to know that that's how this team is supposed to play on the offensive end, right? Right, right, for sure. And, um, yeah, it's just been so different this season. And, I mean, Jamal, uh, he he has you know, taken that opportunity and, and totally run with it. And I tweeted this out in the, in the fourth quarter, but Jamal had a couple big buckets. He had a block. And I was like, wow, this would be fitting if, you know, Jamal Murray led this comeback here in the fourth to get the win because this certainly seems like his team right now. Yeah. It seems like his team. Yeah. Is this is there a chance this road trip can be good for them? Definitely. Definitely. Getting just get away from Denver. Yeah. Get away from the giant media scrum, although they're going to New York. So New York, Boston, Philly, they're going to have some big media scrums. Play some teams you're not as familiar with. Um, I mean, Jokic was great against Embiid. What, a couple weeks ago? That game, I'll tell you right now, that game could go anyway because if Denver is still in this funk that they're in for that game... And they'll that, have Simmons back too, Philly will. That might be a complete massacre. Yeah. But no, a road trip can be good. Get away from it all. Just kind of forget about it. Um, I mean, I, if I'm Denver, do you come back and like, practice tomorrow or do you just give your guys a day off? Because i probably give them a day off. I think there's no question they need to, it, it'll be a day off. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's almost certainly. Also, it's kind of been the team's MO. Yeah. You're going on this road trip. You've got a back-to-back early on. You probably just want to save your legs. I will say, Denver last, yesterday, a long practice. Definitely, yeah. An interesting decision, I think. Um, you know, Malone, let's talk about Malone real quick. Malone's really hot. And we've seen in the past, my opinion on Malone is he runs hot naturally. I think he's hot after every single game, every (laughs) single game, except for blowout wins. Then he's like super high. He's just an emotional guy. When sometimes when the team is in a rut, he'll be hot for a game, maybe a second one. But as time goes on, he sort of says, okay, this isn't working. How do I be positive? And he can be almost weirdly, and it can sometimes feel even artificially positive because he realizes negativity isn't the answer right now. Are you talking about his comments after this game? (laughs) I think he is, in addition to just seeming like he doesn't have the answer, which is, again, understandable, I think he's also just so frustrated he can't help himself. And there's a little bit of just like he – he want he doesn't know what button to push, but he certainly feels like the button to push is to scream at these dudes. It's like he's trying not to. Well, I feel like Malone's probably saying to himself right now, "All right, I've been preaching defense since the first day of training camp. We're there on defense." But he deep down, just like that Nuggets locker room deep down knows that they cannot get to their goals this season. They cannot advance further in the playoffs. I don't think they win a first round series if their offense is at this level entering the playoffs. Deep down, they all oh, got, of course, they, yeah. they, they all have to know that they're toast in the playoffs if their offense doesn't get back on track. And at some point, I do think this will wear on them. 18 games is not that point. But I do think there's a, you know, if you're mid-January, early February, and you just have never gotten your offense going and you're still looking like this, there's probably, there is a psychological of like, man, we're just not that good. Yeah. And, and, maybe, and maybe it takes you in another direction. How about this one? I keep thinking about what Denver's strategy will be with the trade market. And there's really two dates to everybody to know. The first one is the trade deadline, which is in February, which is the last day you could trade a player. But then there's also December 15th, which is sort of the unofficial opening of trade of the trade season. You can trade players before that, but on December 15th, everybody that signed those off-season deals becomes eligible to be traded mm-hmm. for the first time. And that's usually when the first trades start to happen. So let me ask you this. Do you see Denver being more likely than usual to make an early season trade? 
yes, for sure. But that doesn't mean they will. <laughs> because the Nuggets have always been very patient when it comes to you know, adjusting their roster throughout the season. But this year, with you know, the expectations that they've put on themselves... No, not that anybody else has put it on, but that they put on themselves coming out at media day and saying championship is a goal. Uh, yes, there's more of a likelihood that they make an earlier move. I think I, – I actually, if I were to make a bet, I would get bet Denver does for two reasons. I was thinking about this today as Denver was just down by a lot and, and MPJ sitting there, Torrey Craig is sitting there. You got guys sort of just dusting, collecting dust on the shelf. You make a trade on December 15th or shortly thereafter – you can make another trade at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if Denver made some sort of consolidation trade and moved a Malik Beasley or Wancho and Gomez, just somebody to force, not really force, but to sort of be like, these are our guys that we want to play, and I think the front office wants Michael Porter Jr. to play. I think So if you force that to happen and it doesn't work out, Michael Porter Jr. is terrible, you still make another trade now. You, you maybe collected an asset, trade Malik Beasley, maybe you know Malik Beasley and another player, Tory, and Torrey Craig, and you get back like a late first or just something like that. Then if it doesn't work, you use that late first to move to get another player to replace Michael Porter Jr. in the lineup, and, and, and you do that. I could just see Denver making a move like that. It seems like a safe move to me. Yeah, um, I could see that as well. And the fact that they've got this four-game road trip heading into December 15th yeah, and that home game with Portland, that probably gives them a pretty good idea of just where they're at you know, after these next five games, coinciding with December 15th. Right, exactly. So, so decent timing there. I, I just think that's something that I'm going to keep my eye on because to me it makes the most sense. I think in addition to Denver's offense not looking the way like they wanted to, there's also just Michael Porter Jr., which doesn't have to play a ton of minutes. But if he has the season that he's had so far all year long, I just don't think you're going to know anything about him. So does any part of you believe the Nuggets look at their roster, they look at this bench unit that's been terrible this season, really, no matter what configuration they've gone to, and Denver is still saying to themselves, these guys were great for us last year. We just need to alter a couple things just yeah, keep but, it going and they'll get it hammered out. No, I don't I I understand that temptation and it honestly might be the right thing, but it also does seem a little bit like this is a team that passed its expiration date for this version of it. I'm not talking about the Denver Nuggets as, you know, Jokic era Nuggets or whatever, but just this group does feel like it needs a little bit of a shakeup. And Jeremy Grant, mm-hmm. I like the guy, but he doesn't seem to be both the personality and the talent to be that that shakeup. He's basically yeah. just Trey Lyles in a new, in a I new mean, body. He's shooting like Trey Lyles now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was another thing. Like, Jeremy Grant goes 1 of 3 from 3. It's kind of all he does. Yeah. Malik Beasley, 0 of 3 from 3. Will Barton, 1 of 8 from 3. Jamal Murray, 0 of 3. But, like, you know, like you said, the Lakers didn't shoot well tonight either, 7 of 24. And I didn't get the sense tonight that it was like Denver's getting all these great looks and just not making them. I mean, they got the looks they always do. Yeah, this year. Yeah, this but year. But their offense isn't good this, this year. This year, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so that's it, guys. Is there anything else you want to put in for this episode? No, I think that's it. Um, I, I thought those quotes that came out of the locker room were, were fascinating. And um, I, I think if you're like the Nuggets, <laughs> the fact that Will Barton came out and said that, I thought that was important. Yeah. 
Um, what Jokic said, I think that was a little alarming. And if I'm Denver, I think I have to just kind of counsel him a little bit. De- de- definitely counsel him. This is a big moment for Jokic. I really believe it. Um, and, you know, tomorrow I will do a more deep dive notebook style uh, episode on this show as I, I usually do after games. But the, I want to leave on this one note, Harrison, and it, it's weird that this is my perspective in this one, but being in the locker room tonight and just thinking about that Steve Kerr quote that I heard a couple weeks ago, it's just stuck with me so much. And part of what I find actually really interesting and really sort of in a, in a weird way beautiful and, and something that I sort of appreciate is this moment that the Nuggets are in. It is a tough moment in a really, really fascinating and great way. It doesn't mean they're going to pass this test, but this does feel like a test to me. Mm-hmm. And watching them tonight struggle, being in the locker room and hearing all the quotes and hearing guys finally admit it, that Jokic is in this rut, that the offense is different, that this isn't who they want to be. They want to be the offensive team that they have been for the past years. This is such a test. And I don't know that they're going to pass it. Nobody does. That's that's sports. But it is fascinating to me, and it is part of what makes sports so interesting is these guys are being pushed to the limit and how they respond is really just going to reveal who they are and it's usually the playoffs are really when a team gets tested but they're being tested a little bit early this year and I know a lot of people are sort of giving up and and it's funny when I see people on social media saying oh I'm done with this team forget it like they're not who I thought (laughs) like this is what sports are this is it's just I always use boxing metaphors because it's the most boxing is sports stripped to its most like simplest form it's mono e mono in a ring and the last guy to like tap out wins it but that's what that's what the situation that the nuggets are in right now they're being tested they're being checked and they can either go down and stay down or they can keep fighting and and become better for it and i'm just i don't know which way they're gonna go but Jokic in particular is being put to that test right now and if he is the player we all not we know the talent is there but if he's going to be the player we want him to be he'll pass this test and if not he won't that was well put. <laughs> that, that was a great epilogue there. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about this team over this road trip. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes if you haven't already. We're trying to get it up to be a five-star podcast. We're only a four-and-a-half-star podcast. Get it up to a five-star pod if you enjoy listening to this one. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow with a brand-new episode. All right, before we get out of here, guys, you know how supporting local business is in our blood. So we got to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. It's the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. They've been doing it since 1972, providing the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets to molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. With the snow season here, they've got everything to do with snow plows. They can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. Those blades, they can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. Their warehouse, we went and checked it out a few weeks back. It was amazing. They've created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades. We even witnessed machines that cut material that's used in bulletproof vests. Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all. Remember that. And they can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at fantastic rates. They're family-owned with loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR. Call them today for all your snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com backslash DNVR.
Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota Trucks. Visit Toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places.